And I think maybe something that can wake people up to the possibility of these states is like something like what we experienced last weekend. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't meditate, you wouldn't know that that's even a possibility. So you're like, why would I even do this? But every now and then you have these experiences that open you up and you feel more whole, you feel more of yourself and you're like, shit, that felt really good. How do I make that more of a regular part of my life? The aim of meditation and getting more in touch with yourself, getting more in touch first with your body, allowing some space in your heart to show up or not. And if it doesn't, that's okay. It's just to be, but it's just to allow uh, what's there to actually be there fully. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres, hold the five wing, four or five, eight, trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres, sexual, nine with one, nine, seven, four, trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an eight wing seven, sexual self-pres, with eight, five, four, fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-pres, social, three, wing four, with a Six nine trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe us on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. I was bringing up something of uh, this past week, feeling um, more open, more creative, more um, just in touch with my mm-hmm. feelings, and just more fluid as a result of spending a weekend with with y'all and and doing shrooms and. And all that jazz, just like sort of opening things up mm-hmm. and getting like a deeper perspective on everything. And so I just, I was wanting to figure out how to get a sense of that on a week to week basis in terms of, you know, I'm going to microdose shrooms, but also just like what sort of practices I can try to get myself in that state. Because I think I'd read some article about, you know, somebody who'd done a lot of psychedelics and had an eventually figured out a way for them for themselves to access those states without doing psychedelics and so not only do i want to do more psychedelics but i want to figure out like yeah there are ways to meditate and and get yourself centered and get yourself in touch with all the parts of you and that kind of shit oh cool yeah welcome to big hormone enneagram uh your horny hosts emica nancy and john are here david rest in peace is dead dead <laughs> he had a biking accident and uh, yeah, on the it. side of the road in the dark he, too much too much uh, peanut butter and banana and uh, it just was it's ugly. protein shakes self-press nine killed by their own routines yeah <laughs> <laughs> we are coming off of uh weekend last weekend that emica david and i and some friends of the pod that have been guests and others um all convened in new york city to have a what i've been calling at least the dumb enneagram summit and um it was uh, a really actually it was a lot of fun but it was like actually very heart opening and there's a lot of uh romantic feelings between uh some of your hosts here and uh i think that we all came way sort of surprised at the elevated state that we were able to bring it to we 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 partied a lot but it was there was a weird uh heartfelt sincerity throughout the whole thing that you don't normally associate with partying and um yeah, I, it felt like at, initially I thought maybe it was like a social thing because I haven't <laughs> hung around like any group of people all year round. But I eventually realized that there was something more to it. And it wasn't like just doing drugs with your friends or whatever, but the sense of a collective opening, you know, yeah. dissolving of boundaries. And you could you could say maybe that was facilitated by some psychedelics. But um you know, I think everyone walked away from that experience just feeling like much more open in their sense of self, like just more connected to their sense of self. And it's like, man, that was pretty fucking cool. Like, how do you, how do I get more of that experience in my day-to-day life? Right. Like, I mean, the aim of the work of the Enneagram is to become who or what you are, you know, become more yourself in a way and get rid of or or some drop some of the patterns that we usually take to be ourselves. And 
you know, what I think, what I've appreciated uh, about uh, the four of us is that whenever we get together, we have these insane, fucking decadent, dangerous times that are like <laughs> really heartfelt. And yeah. like, there's a real opening. And it's like, let's just say uh, Pony started, some, you know, it was performed. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was allowed to very much uh, be myself, as was Emika in our, in our, you know, tri-type and instinctual stacking. And uh, <laughs> that's a very you, nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what he's uh, trying to say is that many a mating sandwich was achieved. <laughs> <laughs> many sandwiches were achieved, but uh, you know, it was like there was instead of it being focused on like what's appropriate, it was like because we were being ourselves but connected to ourselves. We could, I, my, my interpretation is that there was like playing with like our sexual energy and stuff in a way that was like heartfelt and wasn't just, wasn't invasive or creepy or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and of, of course, just, you know, amongst friends and people comfortable yeah. with each other and all that Absolutely. kind of stuff. So we Absolutely. had a great, we had a great time and um, it just felt like, uh, you know, like in a year like this where not many of us have really gotten a chance to go out and hang out with friends and uh, it felt really good. Like I haven't gone out and danced all year. And yeah. so just to be able to have a good time with my friends, it felt really therapeutic. But it seemed like there was something much more than just, hey, I haven't hung out with my friends yeah, all year. Right, there was, there right. was something about the group of people and what, you know, how open everyone was and, uh, and what we were doing. So um, I felt like, damn, that was really, what was that? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> what were the factors? <laughs> how do we you know, recreate that as more of a daily part of my life, that kind of thing. So yeah. I've been thinking. It, it was cool too, because like, it wasn't like we had to start with some eye gazing contact. <laughs> bullshit. It was like, we just jumped into it. And yeah, just the whole weekend had kind of a magical feel. But, uh, you know, we were in the zone. Talking. We were, were in the zone. The zone. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> We have to explain what that means. Story. Yeah, I don't know how much of the story we should tell, and I wish David was here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, one of our friends that was uh, accompanying us, also a social type, which makes it a little funnier, yeah. um, was accompanying us uh, throughout the weekend, and, uh, you know, like, Emeka and David and others had an Airbnb there where most of the shit happened in Bed-Stuy, and, um, you know, basically, we all tri- we, on the last night, we all decided to trip on mushrooms, and... <laughs> And, uh, you know, I texted this friend what we were going to do. And uh, so he showed up a little later. And by that time, we were in outer space. We were on the astral plane. And uh, David was playing guitar to a bunch of songs. (laughs) And it it just became like a hypnotic trance state of everybody in their own sort of world. And um, our friend walks in at like the peak of it. And totally sober. Yeah, it's just like not knowing what the fuck is going on. And the first thing, the only context that David offers, he's the only one who said anything to him, is we're in the zone. Hey, man, we're in the zone. <laughs> it's like so creepy-ass deep voice. <laughs> That's all. Hey, we're man, in the zone. we're in the zone. We're in the zone. And like, for those who don't have never met David or don't, you know, only known through this podcast or whatever, it's like David has a, like a very, like, it's non-expressive facial expressions they're like very, very subtle like his they eyebrow cocks a little or he gets a little corner of his mouth smile or something but he's got the, it's not flat it's not like a flat effect but it's just like he's hard to read and so for some some dude to show up in the middle of this thing where we were wacky and for, <laughs> and for david just go hey man we're in the zone and that being it so good that was so funny oh my God. so <laughs> yeah, we were going to talk today a little bit about, um, you know, like we're all experiencing this opening and like how, you know, and, and if you've been listening to this podcast, like, you know, we've been doing some, I think, pretty good fucking shit. And so, you know, how do you, how do you take it beyond like, just like when you're listening, being like, oh, that's like me. Oh, that's like my mom. You know, it's like, you got to practice it. The Enneagram can't be understood unless it's actually used. Like there's no such thing as knowing the Enneagram unless you're actually using it. and um, you can have a lot of insights from the Enneagram. That doesn't mean you understand it until you're putting it into practice. And so we're going to do a little bit of talking about like meditation and not, not like everything about meditation, but um, kind of like how, 
if you're listening and you've been knowing that you should meditate, like what does it mean to meditate and how to start? But, uh, you know, I think, I think before we get into that, I'd like to hear from, I'll share myself, but I'd like to hear from y'all too about like maybe, maybe like a contrast in what you usually experience is like your, maybe your, your usual sense of attention or self and then how you feel when you're more open. Cause I mean, we're all very different types. Y'all are two assertive types. I'm a withdrawn type. Like how, like what's the difference in quality? So, okay. This, this past week I've been feeling, um, it's generally after I do psychedelics that I really notice that I'm, I feel more centered, if that makes any sense. I think what psychedelics does for me is that it, it pulls me out of like the, the sort of like being in my, my type structure, feeling like, you know, like there's one thing after another in terms of just doing things. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I'm able to get perspective on myself. And for some reason, also like emotional states somehow make more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it, so I, I just end up feeling more whole, not, not like as um, a lot of times I just end up feeling pretty detached from a lot of things or mm-hmm. from my own experience of, of things. And so I, I do end up feeling after experiences like that, feeling like my, um, that my heart is a little bit more open. Yeah, I don't feel as detached from my experience. And I also just feel more creative, like more fluid. Yeah, it just feels like I have more access to myself. That's a good, good, I like that, more access to myself. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, So the Enneagram training I went to was the most recent time when I was really heavily meditating daily. And I think that's when I'm able to actually feel like I have a heart, like I have emotions. Uh, So I'm able to actually react to things genuinely. So instead of uh, pretending, not uh, pretending is the wrong word because it's not like I mean to, but it's just, there's no, in, in my everyday life, like, like I hate receiving gifts yeah. because I can't, I can't react genuinely because I'm like, well, I have no heart. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't, I can't feel anything about this gift. You can give me the most wonderful gift in the world. And I'd be like, thanks. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so having, yeah, having that access allows me to actually like react genuinely, which I think makes uh, connections easier for me. I uh, appreciate the clarity with what you're saying that, because I think that a lot of threes experience a lot of shame for, you know, feeling like they aren't always in touch with their feelings, you know, because I think, I mean, in our culture, at least, like, uh, people are very narcissistic and prideful around their feelings, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, I mean, how many times have we seen on the fucking internet, somebody being like, oh, I'm an empath, sensitive, highly sensitive person, uh, type four, uh, whatever, you know, it's like all these listings of things that are like, you know, usually not for us, but people mm-hmm. who are like clearly taking a lot of pride in just like having feelings and everybody's got feelings, but some people are more or less in touch with them and respond to them in different ways. But no, I really like what both you guys are saying. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll just speak a little bit to myself. Um, you know, being uh, a withdrawn type and a four who is uh, far away from the body center, um, I experienced like a profound alienation and separation. And I don't experience a lack of feeling. I, it's more like I experience a kind of um, a tempest of emotional reactions and responses that are sort of out of my own control. And like often hatred and frustration. And I, like I recommend listeners listen to our object relations calls that we just did because, um, you know, we get to a lot of the core wounds and a lot of these qualities of suffering of the types makes more sense. And, um, so anyway, uh, myself, it's just, it's like, it's like all this shit inside and, and almost complete inability to function and exist outside of my own subjectivity. And so, uh, I was introduced to Gurdjieff. I was into the Enneagram in high school, but I was introduced to Gurdjieff. I was familiar with him, but a friend of mine I met in college who had been involved in a Gurdjieff group at a young age. Uh, was like, you need to read In Search of the Miraculous. 
and which is by Ospensky. It's one of the early accounts of Gurdjieff. So in in college, I got into Gurdjieff and I started taking meditation as a serious practice. And I would say it took me between three and five years of like daily struggle to meditate to actually figure out something about what meditation is. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not natural or immediate. (laughs) No, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like kind of ridiculous, but I, I kind of, I'm like kind of glad I went through that. Um, because I thought I knew at different stages, like, oh, no, now I'm meditating. And, and it wasn't. And that kind of like, like, I think sometimes we're meant to feel like meditating is like something that you just figure out how to do and then you do it. And it's kind of like you can't do meditating. <laughs> you kind of got to put yourself in the place to be able to meditate, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, meditate, like, like if, you know, we're talking about all these like these shifts of, of state, right? And Meditation is one way to have something consistent, like a touchstone to cultivate an ability to have more access to ourselves. And it's not the cure-all. It's not going to like fucking change uh, everything, but it's subtle. It's like having a, a routine, uh, some kind of routine or practice that you just do, no matter fucking what, you just do it. And even if it's like five fucking minutes, like how do you start something like that? Um, it's, it's a whole thing. And, and I think the first thing is actually just fucking doing it, making the time and putting the attention and energy into actually doing it. And it's like, most of us know that we ought to, or feel some part of us feels like we should, but what's stronger in all of us, no matter what, even if we love to meditate is the will to not meditate. (laughs) Like that's, that's strong. And we got to accept it. We got to see it and we got to feel how it's like, it's a kind of laziness and that's okay. That's just part, that's part of the personality. Personality wants to stay the same. And so, like, let's stop fucking did not like pretending like we want to fucking meditate so bad. We don't. It's <laughs> it takes you off program. So you think it's the um, it's the personality saying no, no, I don't want to change that makes it so fucking hard to keep meditating or start. I think that's one of the voices, but I think it's too. It's like what's on my phone this morning. Yeah, well, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like we. It's like all these mundane things that we don't think have much weight for us actually have a lot of weight. And like, you know, we keep kind of feeding from the same shitty trough, um, thinking something's going to change. And so, uh, you know, like in the Gurdjieff, I'm in a Gurdjieff group and we have uh, like, I would consider them more like, they're like, you call them meditations, but they're more like attention exercises that we do for about 45 minutes every morning. And as best we can try to do them every fucking morning. And they're, they've just been really uh, powerful. Um, but in, for now, like, I'm, like, you have to aim small. And for listeners, just fucking try five minutes. Give five minutes of time. It's like not even enough time to meditate. But just start with that and to observe, like, what that means and is. And, um, you know, like, if you can't give five minutes, then, like, Part of the aim of of trying five minutes and failing at it is to see how helpless you are, how asleep you are, and how like you can't even do something uh, in a in an intentional way. Like everything has to come automatically through our personality. We respond to everything automatically. And so, what if you were to make an aim, an effort, or an intention that didn't have to do with like getting a reward or because you're you know because you're having a reaction to something, but just like, there's something else. Like I want to be, have more access to myself. I want to take that sincerely and how much of our personality is willing to step aside to take those things seriously. And usually it's very, very little. And that gives us clarity. It's not like we shouldn't avoid seeing how asleep we are. We start rewarding ourselves on how awake we are. We're actually deluding ourselves into sleep. When you're, when you're able to be more awake, uh, you not only have, you don't take your personal, personality as personally, which I say all the time, but uh, there's a sincere curiosity to see your sleep and to not think of it as this game of ro- like plus or minus or gain and loss or reward myself or congratulate myself or denigrate myself. You get beyond all that shit because it's not that important. Is it making sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what I would say is that like... Well, I'll first say- of all, like when you say people should start with five minutes, what the fuck should they do in that five minutes? Yeah. Excellent. So. No matter what, like whether you're during the day or meditating or whatever, uh, you should always be in touch with sensation, physical sensation. Physical sensation has been like 
Like that is the key to any kind of inner work, any kind of growth, I think is physical Mm -hmm. sensation because we are profoundly dissociated from our bodies and our bodies are these sensitive apparatuses that um, are taking in and organizing all this information under our awareness all the time. And we get like a sliver of it. And that sliver we get, it's like, you know, the thoughts and, and emotions that we have um, are usually generated from something going on in the body that we're not even fully awake to. And so cultivating physical sensation, like, like, and what I'm talking about, if, if you're sitting down, like literally sense your feet on the, on, against the, against the ground, or literally, you know, sense your thighs against the chair, right? Like that level of, of just being in touch with your body, because Enneagram is about the three centers, the body, heart, and mind, how they cooperate when we're healthy and how they fuck with each other when we're not present. <laughs> that's all it is. So what you should do, like let's say you wake, like let's say you wake up and you're like, I'm gonna give five minutes. Sense yourself. Like, so there's a bunch of shit that's called meditation. And there's a lot of stuff like I like I'm not a fucking meditation master or expert or anything, but there's a lot of things that uh, are told are are spoken about as meditation that are not and uh there's a lot of ideas that are based in the personality's own concept of just reality that confuse what meditation is because we sort of think that we're going to get into a better state we're going to work ourselves up into like all right i'm in an okay state but i'm going to get into a good state and so you're sitting in your bed or whatever sitting in a chair you're you're doing a, like a kind of a body scan and what i do is i start with relaxing my eyes relaxing my forehead, my, uh, my face, my nose, you know, going really intentionally through tongue, jaw, going really down and just like physically relaxing as best I can. What I'm not doing though, is if I find a place of like really intense tension in my body, I don't get fucking upset about it. Like you don't, don't go, Oh, I'm all tense. I gotta relax. Like don't don't just be with the tension, but relax as best you can. And you go through and, and sense and relax. And sometimes it's better to do a kind of like a body scan of relaxation followed by a body scan of physical sensation. But, you know, doing that, it's like the body is the, it's kind of the home where the heart and the mind can actually land. Like when we're not in our bodies, uh, our hearts are having basically reactions to all this instinctual and physical stuff. And then our minds make up stories to explain our emotional reactions. Mm-hmm. And the centers are all fucked up. So it's not going to cure everything, but what's going to come up actually when you start doing this and making it a regular thing, and I would invite you to start expanding beyond five minutes, but um, when you start doing it, what ends up happening is you start seeing a bunch of shitty stuff, right? Like you start, you're, you're th- you start noticing how much you're thinking about bullshit and, and you have all these emotional reactions and unprocessed feelings and you might feel empty. You might feel really tense. You might feel whatever. The aim is not to get rid of that shit. The aim, the aim of meditation is not to stop thinking, which I like, I, that's often how it was taught to me. It was, or like explained to me, it was like, you got to stop thinking or stop thoughts. You're not going to stop it. The aim of meditation and getting more in touch with yourself, getting more in touch first with your body, allowing some space in your solar plexus in your chest for something to be your heart to show up or not. And if it doesn't, that's okay. But just to be and to be blank or to be sad or happy, whatever. And for your mind just to be and to observe from your mind is not to shut down thoughts, but it's just to allow uh, what's there to actually be there fully. And normally we're kind of contorting our personalities to act and be in certain ways that are like, you know, if I'm an eight, it's like, I'm all right, it's go time now. Like this is go time. And you know, take more, take more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was, they heard a lot of that over that last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and like for three, it's like, you know, it's the similar deals and aggressive type where it's like, like, you know, this is what I got to do, do more, do more. Yeah. yeah. Work time, baby, you know, and, um, and, you know, be efficient and perform. And it's like, I'm still here. Right. Right. <laughs> You know, and so like, like in terms of thoughts, which thoughts are one of the more difficult um, things to contend with in, a, in meditation, the idea is not to eliminate thought, but it's to have something else inside, something you could say is finer, a little more sensitive there with the thoughts. And so it's like, you can think of thoughts as trains running by you if you've ever been in a train station, coming in and out of the station. 
the idea is that to not get on board the train as best you can. And part of uh, what's going to happen is you're going to get on the train. You're going to get stuck in thoughts. And the idea is not to get mad at yourself, which is bullshit. It's a personality uh, again, but it's just to see as best you can how to come back to that place of being able to not even observe thoughts if that seems too grand a task, but just to not lose yourself in them. And same thing with feelings, same thing with physical sensations. Stop trying to fix it so much. And it's so simple and yet very complicated at the same time because we're not used to it. But it's it's really just being and allowing. And, um, you know, you do these sensation scans. You start with sensation scan and relaxation scan. And as you're trying not to get on board the train, the thing that's going to support you the most in staying centered, as Emika said, is just breathing. Staying with your breath, 50% of your attention should be on the physical sensation of breathing. 50% of your attention should just be on your inner life. You know, just that thing that can remember to wake, wake up, wake up, wake up. I was, um, my Gurdjieff of teachers teacher is JG Bennett. Who's like, uh, I've mentioned him a couple of times. He wrote this thing about like, uh, I think for like Easter or something talking about the resurrection, um, of Christ and, Regardless of any, if any dude uh, rose from the dead or not, Bennett was talking about um, the miracle of Christ is, is, is that in each moment, it's like representing our attention that, that wakes up, that wakes up, that wakes up. So it's like every moment, something is competing to steal our attention and to make it part of the program of our personality type. And so the, mir- the resurrection with, is within us in the sense that it's like, uh, awake. I remember myself. I remember myself. I remember myself. And lastly, like being present, meditating, whatever. Um, it's not about getting away from anything. It's not about excluding negativity. It's not about excluding stress. It's not about getting over it, but it's actually like letting it be. And then when we're allowing something to actually be itself, it starts to change and unravel and transform on its own. But if we're grasping for it to change, it's just going to stick around. Um, and the last thing I'll say is the words like consciousness and awareness and sensitivity and attention get thrown around a lot and they can be very imprecise. But um, what our personality type is, is an elaborate organization of our attention. And the more we are fixated in our type, the patterns of our type, the more our attention is, you could say, enmeshed or captured by this computer program that's our personality. And so part of what meditation is, is reclaiming some of the energy of that attention. So it's not all just sucked into my thought, my reaction, my uh, feeling, whatever. You're just keeping a little bit for yourself. And um, you, you start to become sensitive to attention, not as something that is simply given to one thing or another and shifting from one thing to another. But can you really have this sort of center of a finer attention that's not given to anything like what is attention that's not attention on something but the quality of attention itself and that i think is what you call like the seed or potential for consciousness hmm. so we're we gonna do like a five minute walkthrough meditation yeah. does that sound good? Any, any any questions or comments before we do that i have questions but I, it's more probably beyond the, the scope of this conversation we could probably do another call on that but uh, more on like all the different types of meditation because the what yeah. you're the example that you're giving is you know sensation breathing based and I'm wonder I'm wondering I don't know mm-hmm. if there are um, is there any other type of meditation that's more activity based or is meditation generally more about stillness? That's fucking great. Because um, as a body type, as, as an assertive body type. Um, there right. was, was a couple times where I felt like, like I entered a trance state out of movement. Yeah. And I was wondering if that was a possibility is, you know, a sense totally. of intentionality through movement that is a form of meditation. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. Cause so yeah, there's like, I mean, famously there's just like, moving or walking meditation where you're applying the same principles um but you you know of not losing your attention in the phenomenon of what you're seeing or what you're 
you know, reacting to, but you're still, you're, you're just slowly like a, a slow walking meditation where you're taking very intentional steps and you're using each step as a touchstone in the present moment. You know, like, like am I sensing the physical contact of my foot against the ground here? And then where do I lose it? And you're just breathing with it and taking these small steps. There are things that start to get a little less uh, clear as to whether you can call them proper meditation or not, that it get more active. Like, for example, Rajneesh or um, Osho, who uh, was the star of that documentary on Netflix that I think is pretty fun to watch. It's like Wild Wild Country or something. Um, he, can't, he, call, he had a technique. I don't know how much he personally considered it meditation, but he called it active meditation or something like that. But it was basically like a catharsis process where uh, he said Western people were so like repressed that they needed just to like basically unload all this repressed or stored up emotion and trauma through these like wild shaking, uh, blindfolded kind of like, like you're, you know, freaking out kind of meditations that I've done them before. I don't consider them actually meditations because you're kind of it's catharsis is like it's like catharsis is a more basic level of like getting shit out of you mm. and it's discharging and it's like working through stuff and meditation is like being work like catharsis is more like still personality body work and then um you know there's there's some meditations that are like visuals but I think that are like like visualizing things and a lot of like in the Tibetan tradition I know that they do very complex like inner visualizations but I think that for anybody that would be listening to this, uh, those would be something to really, really work up to because we tend to be so dissociated from the body that we start to like make shit up or <laughs> use it incorrectly because we're, we're heady, you know, ungrounded culture already. And, um, you know, generally if you're like really attracted to a visualization meditation, like someone of my type might be, then be suspicious of it. Um, because it might be kind of a, attractive to the habits of the personality rather than freeing the habits of the personality. Um, and then lastly, like, I mean, there's tons, I'm leaving out so much, but uh, like I do, you know, I used to do before COVID, uh, Gurdjieff movements. And part of uh, like, if you've never seen a Gurdjieff movement and never heard of them, Gurdjieff made these complex, you'd say dances, but dance is not really a correct word for them very complicated movements based on gestures put to music done in a group. And uh, we could do a whole episode on that shit once sometime, but basically uh, you're doing extremely complicated movements often out of sync with different parts of the body that demand your full attention. Your, your type will come up and distracting you in whatever way it does. And so it requires an, a real sharp capacity to come back to presence, but you're doing these intensely physically demanding things. And um, you need to do them very precisely. But the quality of attention that's necessary for, um, to do the movements uh, starts to bring about you know, a sense of, it's, it's, that's a meditation, but it also brings out qualities of essence, which is you know, kind of like, the, like part of the aim of meditation. Uh, so there's a whole fucking a lot, but um, I would, you know, if we're, since we're still somewhat homebound, uh, like walk around your living room or your room or something, just the sort of sides of it, seeing how much you can have a continuity of attention and sensation and, and just seeing like as you breathe and just touch your foot down, touch your foot down, touch your foot down. What is the quality of contact and where is it broken? And just, and just be really observant of how, how difficult that task is. So we can, we can do like a five-minute yeah. example and then we can wrap up. That'll be it. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right. So I would recommend uh, if, for the listeners, uh, you know, preferably be seated but not necessary. Um, but wherever you are, like start with just like, Gently exhaling your lungs. I always start with this. Just like instead of taking a deep breath, like let that all that excess shitty air that's in there out and like, you know, try to get it just like bring as much air out as possible. So I'm just going to do it. And naturally, your lungs will start to expand. They'll start to, start to fill up again. Um, and maybe do that once or twice, um, three times. You know, it's like, just getting all that air out. 
and letting there's we get at least keep a lot of stagnant air in our lungs and we all are habituated to breathe in different ways uh that are usually not the healthiest or not the most uh enlivening and uh you know when the when the inhale comes back like really allow your lungs to find uh, their capacity you know don't force it but like let some shit in and even this alone i think is enough to create a subtle shift but Continuing with this, keep your attention on your breathing. Let your breathing normalize. You can have your eyes open or closed, whatever, it doesn't matter. But as long as your tension is able to be inward, sense your feet against the ground. And staying connected to your breathing, relax your eyes physically as best you can. Relax your forehead. Physically relax your nose, your cheeks, your mouth, your tongue, your jaw. And see to it that your whole face is relaxed as best you can. Also, in this in this place, notice if your neck, if your head is like too far over like you're hunched over if your neck is like in a proper alignment with your back, you know, like in a way that feels upright and good. Make sure that your posture is supportive of your attention. And stay with your breathing. If your attention wanders, gently just bring it right back to the practice. Whatever bullshit's coming up, it'll be there in five minutes, so don't worry. So relax your neck. Relax your chest. Your collarbone area, your shoulders, your upper arms. Physically relax as best you can. Relax your upper arms. Your forearms. your hands and your fingers. Notice the, the sensation of your hands, wherever there are, like mine are my thighs right now. Just notice the weight and substantiality of your body as a physical presence. Relax your upper back. Relax your mid-back. Relax your abdomen, your lower belly, your lower back. Relax your glutes. Relax your pelvis overall. And relax your genitals. We keep a lot of our genitals very tense for some reason. Just take a moment to see that your whole upper body is relaxed as best you can. You've still got 50% of your attention on your breathing. Whatever shit is coming up, something outside your window... If you're on a subway, people around you, thoughts, reactions, whatever. Simply bring your attention back to the practice. Relax your thighs. Relax your knees and your calves. Relax your ankles feet, relax your toes, and just take a moment to take an impression of your body in a state of relaxation, relative speaking.
we're going to begin with um, another part of this practice where we're going to sort of scan the body going from the feet up. Uh, you could think of it with, with sensation and you can think of sensation here like this helps. I think of it as like a warm liquid as if my body is like an like a vessel that I'm filling with like a warm liquid of sensation, almost like a honey substance. And taking that sensation through this relaxed body, staying in touch with the breathing. And if you decide to do this in your day to day, like just take, take time with this, you know, like even if it's just a minute, like just give it, give it, give it as much attention as you can. So beginning with the bottom of the feet, sensing that warm liquid of sensation against the ground. Really physically sense. Sensation is the anchor of our work. It is the really only reliable instrument of our self-knowledge at the beginning of our work, even if we know a lot in our heads. Sensation is the real instrument of like gnosis. Sensing the bottom of your feet. As we move up like a band of sensation, wrapping our feet, sensing the whole of our feet as best we can. Sensing our ankles. Staying with the breathing. Sensing up the ankles. The ankles are filling with sensation. Calves. The knees. Sensing our thighs, including if our hands are resting on our thighs, since there are hands against our thighs. Sensing the pelvis, the glutes, and the genitals. Our hips. And at the waist, take a moment and see as best you can that your entire lower half is that you're sensing. And even if it's only faint, that's perfectly great. Continuing with sensation up the body, up the lower belly, lower back. Keeping attention on the breath. Sensing the abdomen and the mid-back. Sensing your chest. Your upper back. Shoulders, sh shoulder blades, collarbone. Sensing your upper arms. Your, your forearms. Down the forearms to the wrists. Hands. Sensing each finger. Give this an extra moment just to make sure that you're sensing each finger. Sense your neck. Physically sense where your head connects to your neck, especially the occipital area, the area in the back of the head. Sense your jaw, your mouth. Sense your tongue, ears, nose. Cheeks, sense your sinuses, sense your temples, sense your eyes, sense your forehead, sense the back of your head, 
since the top of your head. And take a moment here to take a conscious impression of your whole body as, as a single organism, as one sensing thing rather than a bunch of parts. Just breathe with this for a moment. And in your daily practice, this may be enough, but I want to invite you to put a little attention on your chest. And don't try to feel anything, but allow feeling to be. Like, allow what's there to be there. Don't go searching and exploring and trying to root it out, but it's like inviting your heart to just be for a moment, no matter what it's feeling. And even if it's blank, that's a great thing. We invite our own hearts back home. And then for another moment, just notice your mind. Notice your perception, not necessarily your thoughts and your thinking, but just the awareness, the perceptiveness, the awakeness in the mind or lack of. So with this, we're going to wrap up this practice with three slow, conscious breaths, being aware of our sensation, our feeling in the chest, and our awareness in our minds. So, yeah, for listeners, if you're, like I said at the beginning, if you're interested in starting kind of a practice, realize how much you don't want to do it first and how, how tough it is to actually like carve out like five minutes. Like it's not easy. And don't, don't get hard on yourself because you think it should be easy. It's not. And by owning the difficulty, I think it gives a certain kind of um, courage is like maybe a strong word, but like, you know, courage is root is in some fucking Latin or something that like needs heart. <laughs> And it's like having this sort of willingness for my heart to like make contact with what really matters. And it's like shifting your priorities from just like, God answered this text, this email, oh, I'm stressed about this stuff, but like to, to having a conscious valuation of something that is uh, not just the, the dross of our normal accidental haphazard tension. And I think maybe something that can wake people up to the possibility of these states is like something like what we experienced last weekend because mm -hmm. if you don't meditate you wouldn't know that that's even a possibility so you're like why would i even do this but every now and then you have these experiences that open you up and you feel more whole you feel more of yourself and you're like shit that felt really good how do i make that more of a regular part of my life and um so that's that's kind of what it is for me is i've had experiences like that before i mean i've had breathwork sessions with or i had a breathwork session with john that blew me away um shit like that really opens opens you up to the possibility that you can be more whole more centered you can't feel more of yourself you can get out of your own pattern and the more times that happens more like okay maybe i should do some shit to make this part of a regular part of my experience instead of just like a once in a while thing that I experienced because I did psychedelics or I, I had a breathwork session. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that starts to shift over time, especially the more you, you get serious about these kind of practices, it's, it stops being as much like, oh, I got to practice to feel better. And it becomes more like the thing that does that, that is invited to be there in the practice starts to become more of the focus of your sense of self. Yeah. And so it becomes so important to continue having a lifeline between this inner life and your day to day and that they're not separate or compartmentalized, but that there's like an integration going on. Mm -hmm. I also think something that you spoke to beautifully is like the need to like really take note of our impressions. Like we have these sort of high states and we're like, oh, it must have been because I felt good and there were people around and, you know, maybe, but there's a way that like they can kind of like become memories rather than a part of ourselves. Yeah. Like they don't they can like stay on the surface of our heart rather than penetrate it. 
And that's like, there's no easy way to do that to let it penetrate. But like, you got to go, oh yeah, like, like not grasping for it, but like, this is important. And at least for me, like part of the reason I'm obsessed with Egypt is because to me, Egypt is like a, a, a huge reminding factor. Like it's so powerfully remem- helps me remember how important all, all this shit is. You know, it's like such a sacred event. And so like finding little rituals or finding people or whatever that like help you remember to give that, like water that flower, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can I mean, still be like an idiot and have sex and do whatever. <laughs> it's not like you have to be like we all do. holy. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you, Nancy. <laughs> I was going to say for me, it's uh, lying in a hammock at night listening to the bugs in the woods because I'm so self-pressed. That's what kind of brings me back to being like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you self-pressed hard, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do. <laughs> No, but that's, I mean, nature is like one thing. And, you know, I think that um, we talked a lot about essence in the last recording. And sometimes we expect essence to be like a a firework display or like some kind of big LSD thing. And uh, essence is pretty subtle. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes when we're in nature, we go, oh, this is great because I'm relaxed. And it's like, yeah, true, maybe. But then sometimes that thing that's making the contact is essence because we're relaxed or because we're out of the ordinary or whatever. It's like sometimes we don't name essence as essence. And that lack of like conscious acknowledgement in a certain way sometimes keeps us feeling separate from essence. Does that make sense? Cool mm-hmm. Don't like laugh ready. at me, John. Like <laughs> well, John's putting me to sleep over here with his like <laughs> relaxing <voice>. ass shit. <laughs> Ugh, it's terrible. He's like, keep breathing. I'm like, all right, I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> uh, uh, this should be this should be good though. People will be able yeah. to refer back to this for like I don't you know trying to meditate. People will be listening to John's voice every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, well, I'm going to eat and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Just shaking things up. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is good. All right, All right Parola protetta, ritratto, promessa, ritorno, protetta, trascina.